This episode of PSI Love You XOXO is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Greg Miller, and you might have heard me once or twice, am I right? Anyways, I've used Blue Apron. It's good. They gave me buffalo chicken sandwiches. I like that. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash I love you. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash I love you. Get a whole bunch of crazy meals. Be a better cook. Impress your friends. Maybe your significant other. Maybe impress yourself. That's how easy it is to cook a Blue Apron. You start doing it and you're gonna be like, wait. I did this myself, and then you'll look at the food, and you'll look at yourself in a mirror, and you'll go, is this really me? What happened to me? What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 49. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. It's good to be here with you today, Colin Moriarty. Here. On the brand mm. new set mm. at Kind of Funny Studios, if you're listening to the MP3, you fucked up. You shouldn't have done that. I'm looking at the camera to address the people listening to the MP3 to let them know they fucked up. Uh, it's finally here. It's the first. Now, it's all out of sync and out of order in our lives, as you know, Colin. Everything's chaotic, crazy. We're recording episode 49 in Kind of Funny Studios before you record episode 48 while right. Tim and I are in Austin. Right. And uh, that's why this is a more uh, evergreen episode as we would exactly. like to call it that's a great point but i want to say and, and and this might be shown out of order when we introduce everything whatever this is the i think the very first this is the first thing we've ever, ever filmed recorded in the new studio and filmed in the so a round studio. of applause for kevin and nick all their work matt scarpino making this thing happen making this amazing set happen uh hopefully it's the first thing we put put in the twitch stream that it's also going into you can, you can oh, stop thank now. you that's enough of that thank you. you don't have to keep doing that so yeah to again this is going to be an evergreen show where we're going to talk about we're going to make the kind of funny top 10 PlayStation 4 games lists here. We know how much people like lists and stuff. So it's a we won't have the news of the day. We won't have the normal thing there. We do have some reader mail in terms of what people voted for for theirs. We got a song. We got all that stuff. But if this is your first episode of PSI Love You XOXO, it's a much different show when you see it as it's going. And what we decided, right, is that if something happens, if Neo information leaks this week, right. if something else happens, we'll do an impromptu. We'll do an way. impromptu PSI Love You XOXO reacts what we'll put up on the podcast yeah. feed. We'll put up on the things. But right now, this will be a show. That was week. a concern of mine was that this is a, a bad week to have to do this, but that's just the nature of it's, the setup. And and we are prepared uh, if, if necessary. I, I do feel like things are going to start leaking. You think because you figure this is going live. This is our, you know, in terms of PSI Love You XOXO shows, this is the one that goes live the 23rd. Mm-hmm. So there's still a full week for someone to mm-hmm. fuck up and put out a whole. Mm-hmm. Or two weeks, I guess. Yeah, t- it's not the end of the world. It sure. is what it is. We have okay. to do this eventually, right? Because you have to leave, so you know to go. You're going to be gone for a week, so yeah. it all makes sense and it's all fine. Yeah, I That's think it's fine and dandy. Yeah. Uh, so everybody, thank you so much for your support. Obviously, it's been a long year and a half. That's kind of funny. Uh, we're f- happy to be outside of the spare bedroom. Here we are in the brand new studio. That's all thanks to your, your support. Whether you're a su- subscriber on iTunes, whether you subscribe to us on YouTube, whether you support us on patreon.com slash kind of funny games or patreon.com slash kind of funny. This is all because of you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I also want to point out in a little bit of housekeeping news next week, 
will be PAX West. No longer PAX Prime. PAX West. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Uh, myself, Kevin, Tim, Nick will all be up there. Colin will not. Well, technically, Colin's up there. Mm-hmm. But he's going to a concert <laughs> instead of going to PAX. It was just a, it was just a kind of a coincidental thing, actually. Yeah. Month, many months ago, I had scheduled put on the calendar like I'm going to be gone this weekend to see a show and uh, and then it happened to be the PAX weekend that we, and we didn't realize that for months actually yeah. so ironically I'll be in Washington yeah but, but you're yeah. not seven foot in that convention center. No, not a prayer not a, not not a, a goddamn chance we will be though uh, 1 p.m. Sunday September 4th is the kind of funny panel we're also doing a whole bunch of Square Enix panels a let's play panel for with our Rooster Teeth friends and I'll be hosting a South Park panel so Plenty of good stuff happening at PAX. We'll have it all up on the website. Next week's show will have ads in front of it with all the information and URLs to go to. But I wanted to insert that here. Mm. So, Colin. Yes. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is PSI Love You XOXO. It is KindOfFunny.com's PlayStation podcast. It is the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. And it posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time for your listening pleasure on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames and podcast services around the globe. So please like, subscribe, share, leave reviews, do whatever it takes to make this show something different. If you're watching it during the live stream, maybe you want to go subscribe, do it all the time now and never miss an episode and catch the backlog. We had, we've had guests on. Shuhei Yoshida's been on. You know him. Let's begin the show this one time with what is... And forever will be topic of the show. So, Colin, mm. we left IGN. We did. When we were at Surprise. IGN. <laughs> when we were at IGN, yeah. we always had, you and I are the PlayStation team. Yes. We always had to go into these rooms and hash out the top 10 or the top 25 lists. Right. All these things. Just terrible. And then people would come in and the, you know they would be all like, well, I want to do this. And they'd all, well, what about this? And you don't have this. And we were always like, get the hell out of here. This is our job to make the list. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do it, why, why did I just waste my afternoon to this? Then we'd all get in a big fight, and we'd all break off, and we'd kind of just do whatever the fuck we wanted. Right. But today, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want and do the top 10 PlayStation 4 games for 2016. Right. August 2016. But we're going to do it in a, in a way that I think makes sense that's, I think, balanced and fair. Fair and balanced. The way we're going to do it is we're going to present each of our top 10 lists, and then we're going to mathematically combine them to make the definitive top 10 list. And the right. way we'll do that is the number one game will get 10 points, the number two game will get 9 points, the number 10 game will get 1 point, and then we'll just add the math together. The top 10 sums will, right. will then be made into the actual list. So I think sure. it'll be interesting how it all shakes out. Of course. Uh, now, of course, the rules we need to go over, and the, the, I guess the guidelines, the rules mm. and guidelines. These are our favorite PlayStation 4 games. Right. What we would recommend and why we would recommend them. Uh, is, uh, is the show going to be on? Is The show's not on my list. Show's a great baseball game. Do you want a great baseball game? Go get that. Yeah, but yeah. we're not doing this thing where we're trying to build out a list that's super objective. This yeah, is yeah, Colin no. and Greg's there's list. There's no, literally nothing. There's never been anything objective about a top 25 list. I always hated that approach. And yeah, so there's not going to be, you're not going to see Street Fighter 5, although I don't think it would be on there. You're not going to see a fighting game. You're not going to see exactly. a racing game. You're not going to see, so no Drive Club, no whatever, Need for Speed, The Crew, whatever the hell you play. And then... Uh, just to have them. Yeah. So you're going to see games that are very reflective of the games we play. That's just the way it's going to be. So take that with a grain of salt if you'd like. Uh, but this is a, a honest or an honest presentation of our feelings on, on the PlayStation 4 library so far. And what I figured out, and we could talk about it when we kind of coll- coll- collaborate and, and, and put this list together, is this list, my list, and I'm sure your list too, I was saying we were talking before, for three years in, yeah. pretty strong. Oh, like, sure. It's a pretty strong list. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to cover is this is something we came to. These are native to PlayStation 4 games or games that released on PlayStation 4 as well as the platforms at the same time. Right. So so the example there is Rezogun is an example of a game 
that would be on the list because it came to PS4 and then it came to PS3 and Vita later. So it right. is on those platforms. Uh, but something like Dead Nation is not a PS4 game. It's a PS3 game that was ported to PS4. DC um, Universe Online, exactly, Last of Us. Exactly. So uh, that's important too. And the other thing I want to say about my list, and I don't know if, if your list is the same way, I've there are game there are a few games in particular that I might have included on this list that are on PS4 that came concurrent to PS4, yeah, but I played but them on Vita. Exactly. So I can't really speak to the PS4 experience. Uh, so uh, I wrote down six games in particular that I think I would that would be in consideration in some respect sure. for this list that are not on the list because I played them on PS4 and not or Vita rather. I'm not saying that they would necessarily be on the list, but they would have been they would be on the list. You'd be having I'll, a conversation I would narrow about it down. them. So those games are like Rogue Legacy. A Rogue Legacy is amazing. Uh, I played on Vita too. It's a Vita game to me. I'm sure right. when we do our Vita list, when we do this Vita show one day that'll be on there. yeah uh whoa dave is a game that i really love it's, a, it's, a, it's a mario bros original not super mario bros but mario bros kind of clone i love that game three-fourths home definitely would have been on my list but sure uh, that's i played that on vita a boy in his blob probably not but a game that i would have considered same thing with foul play uh mm. played that on vita mm. and mm. down well so those games i want to throw out there is like well why aren't why aren't those on the list or they, they were not even under consideration because yeah, of the rule set that makes sense that makes sense when we do vita again yeah and that will go the other way around where um you know, if you played something, I, I don't even know. PS4 games that you didn't play on Vita. That's not very common for us, but. No, not at all. If something's on the Vita, I save it for the Vita because I got to play something like goddamn Vita. What up, Gal Gun? Uh, and the final thing I want to point out, not that I think it would have made our lists, but seeing as how this is kind of a snapshot time capsule, people will be coming back to this video, hopefully, if SEO works. Uh, I want you to understand No Man's Sky just came out for us. I have not put enough time into it to know if I think it's one of the greatest mm -hmm. PlayStation 4 games of all time. So it's not in consideration here. But it's like, if you're watching this in the far-flung future, that's, you know, like, think of when No Man's Sky came out. It's like when we capped this list kind of thing. And uh, I want to say the same, although maybe not as important to a lot of people, the Hyper Light Drifter as well. Mm -hmm. uh, also Bound. Uh, so we have access to these games. Hyper Life Drifter is out by the time we're recording this. Bound isn't out, but we have it. Um, two other games that you might that might have made the list. Well, I'm sure we'll update it in the future. So of course, yeah. Um, no, this is 2016 edition. Yep. When I have Cyborg Colin and Hologram Kevin, we'll update the list. Um, so how, we we're gonna go obviously ten to one, but we did open the floor for each of us to have three honorable mentions right. that didn't make our list. Mm -hmm. Did you do you want to start there? Sure. Okay. My first one. And this is an honorable mention shout out. If this was more my type of game, I think it would have had a better shot. But I want to represent The Witness. I know The Witness is amazing. I played The Witness for an hour and a half or whatever, not being a puzzle guy. Had fun running around doing a few of them. But, you know, it's, it didn't hold my it didn't hold me. It wasn't what I wanted. This surprises I, me because this seems more like what we were saying that you're, you seem to be. But pigeonholing when we game. get in here, you're no, no, no. When you, we get into the list, my number three choice is a game that I haven't sunk hundreds of hours into, but played enough to respect, understand, and know that in another life, I would have been super into mm. this. I, and I, th I want to talk about the craftsmanship of The Witness. I want to talk about the beauty of The Witness, the puzzle design of The Witness. I can sit here and objectively tell you that all that's amazing. And I think while it doesn't make uh, get a spot on my favorite games because it's not one of my favorite games, I think it does deserve you know a conversation, a, a tip of the hat, as they say, a wink of the mm. eye, rub of the balls. We haven't done it. Oh, no, we haven't done, it. We haven't done a pregnant pause yeah, in a long time. Good. What's your first honorable mention? Uh, Rocket League. Um, so uh, the real so Rocket League is actually a really immaculate and impeccable game. Yeah. The reason that I don't want to put it on my list is because I think it's a little disingenuous. Now mm -hmm. I call Rocket League being great, obviously, for a long way out. It's a big joke and kind of running thing in our in our community. But and I also dedicated you know about a week's worth of time into it before anyone had it, playing it, getting most of the trophies, really enjoying playing against the AI, playing against some people online. 
when no one knew what they were doing. Yeah. But the spirit of the game is it's multiplayer, it's competitive multiplayer, in which I do not partake in mm. at all because mm. everyone's so good. So um, while I respect the shit out of Rocket League, uh, I think it's a great game. I think it's a really fundamentally interesting game. I think it's a different kind of game. Um, I don't necessarily want to put it on the top 10, but I do think it is a fantastic must-play game on sure. PlayStation 4. I just don't think it belongs on my list when I kind of compared it and contrasted it to other things that I was playing at the time. So, Understandable. Um, or since or before. So, sure. uh, so Rocket League is my first honorable mention. Okay. My next honorable mention is Fallout 4. Uh, I think I have a bad taste in my Fallout my, in my Fallout mouth right now. In Fallout in my mouth about Fallout 4 right now because of the DLC. Because the DLC came late, I jumped in. It no longer mattered, right? Like, well, I don't even remember, remember what I was doing and who am I working with? And I, I got the platinum, so I have all these different saves and digging around and getting back. And I was like, eh, it didn't even run that well, right? But Fallout 4 as an experience, when it got here, it was exactly what I wanted, right? It didn't move the bar. It was a prettier Fallout 3. It was a new Fallout 3. It was go to this new area and do all these new quests and do all these different things. But I still loved the fuck out of that game. I played that game nonstop. I don't think it gets a spot in my top 10. I think the other 10 games I have here are better experiences or offered something different or gave me better memories. But Fallout 4 scratched an itch last year that I can't for, forget or, you know, now sit here and armchair quarterback what I feel about it after the fact and compare DLC to it. Yeah, I, I think to me, I, I only played Fallout 4 for 25 hours or so. And I well, only I mean, it's a lot of time, but bless you, uh, Thank you. for uh, 20, 25 hours or so. Uh, I think fall, I, what I was surprised about Fallout 4 is it just didn't seem to have a stickiness to it. Uh, yeah. The and it, I think it is because it's so derivative. I think they yep. have, I think they really do have to go back to the drawing board with this game. And I do think it I don't know if it necessarily doesn't bode well for the Elder Scrolls six. I think we'll see how people kind of go to Skyrim when it comes back out on PS4 and Xbox one. But um, which is soon in the coming months. Uh, but what surprises me is that uh, there's just doesn't seem to be a lot of buzz about Fallout 4. Now, I saw, I know it sold a really well. I know millions of people played it. I'm not saying that it's not a good game or a great game. I, but people aren't talking. We, we, no one, but we know. It's not Fallout 3. We aren't talking about it. The audience isn't talking about it like we talked about Fallout 3. Like or we, New Vegas. Like we walked in talking about Fallout 4. Like when we were in the lead up to Fallout 4. Because I think it did. You know, I'll never forget that games cast when we were so excited about Fallout 4. And Tim, who doesn't give a shit about it, asked us. Like what does this game have to do to meet your expectations and what does it have to do to exceed them? And I'm like, meet my expectations. That's just be what I think it's going to be in a prettier fallout four to or three to exceed them. It ha I have to be blown away and get into crafting and do all these different things. And that totally didn't happen. Base building sucked. I didn't have any fun with that. It was just fallout three again, prettier, which was great and fun yep. and I enjoyed it. But if fallout five comes out and I look at what's happening, I'm like, this looks just like fallout four. I'm going to be way less excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I, I think they know better. Uh, my second honorable mention goes to Wolfenstein, the old blood, which was a, a, a basically a full game in and of itself, but it's, it's, it's a standalone DLC pack for Wolfenstein, the new order. Um, and I really, really loved what machine games did with this. And, uh, really gave me hope before E3 when it was basically confirmed in an Easter egg that they're going to make a new one called the new, uh, looks like it's gonna be called the new Colossus. Um, uh, I really like what it's been doing as we're going to see in a minute with their single player centric shooters, yeah. story based shooters. And I think that, you know, machine games, even though there's a lot of experience on that team from other shooter studios, um, I think Starberries and stuff like that. The, the, the fact is, is that they, they're doing something really special over there. And I think that the, the old blood um, was really, really awesome. And, really really impressive and i really like the challenge mode especially i didn't do all of them because some of them are really hard but you go back to certain maps and basically are racking up scores by uh killing people in certain ways and kind of doing things quickly and doing things completely yeah um so i really thought it was a it was a fantastic little piece of dlc affordable people always ask me should i get the new order or i get the old blood and i say you got both um 
so you know props to machine games really excited to see what they're working on i assume that the next one will come out next year and uh, we'll see the d3 i'm sure so uh so that's my second honorable mention my final honorable mention is valiant hearts i loved valiant hearts adored valiant hearts i think when we talked about this like we're gonna do this top 10 thing i thought it would have gotten into my top 10 no problem but i got there and put down all these playstation 4 games and for some reason it didn't crack into that i feel like it was probably number 11 it's the one that's right outside and i have a million reasons for why my top 10 is my top 10 but i can't sit here and not talk about valiant hearts how great that story was how interesting it was the gameplay was i had a good time it was it told such a it was it it was such a great game showing you World War One and giving you all this, these historical touch points to it and these things you'd pick up and reading the newspapers or seeing what's going on here. It was a very cool game. Um, it's funny because Valiant Hearts was on my shortlist as well and uh, didn't make my honorable mentions, but was probably in the last 15 along with Child of Light, which was another mm. Ub- Ubisoft kind of art game. Um, I'm a little confused where these games have gone. I mean, the, the Child of Light and Valiant Hearts came out months apart and, and, and this is kind of within the same framework, I would say, as um, Rayman. Uh, maybe not as high budget or as, as well appreciated. Um, but I do think I agree with you. I think Valiant Hearts deserves an, uh, there deserves a shout out. And it's not really another must play game. It's an interesting yeah. game. It's an adventure game and, and um, kind of like a side scrolling puzzle solving adventure game. Um, but there's like kind of some action elements to it and stuff too. I, I think it's a cool, uh, a cool experience that I, I do recommend to everyone, especially if you're in the history area and that kind of thing, you're in the kind of more somber and uh, cerebral experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Stories. And what's yours? My final honorable mention goes to Doom. Ah, um, you love Doom. I didn't beat Doom. I'm, I'm about, I don't know, I want to say 80% through it. I just, other things came up and I just haven't finished. And I was playing it very deliberately. Like I was, I've gone through, every, I think there's like 14 chapters. I think I've done 11 or 12 of them doing like getting every collectible, getting like every upgrade, getting every challenge really like very in in it so i've actually played the game by hours probably way longer than most people who have beaten the game yeah um, so i'm confident in, in talking about it in a, in a somewhat of an authoritative way and the reason i i alluded to when i was talking about the old blood this single player centric thing that bethesda as a publisher has been doing doom obviously comes from id new look at id this game doom doom 4 really um was in trouble and and it seems like it was remade on new id tech and um there were very little expectations remember the, the, the game's embargo was all strange and yeah and it ended up being good. It ended up actually shattering the expectations that people had of games not of games being released close to embargo or at embargo. Where everyone's like, "Well, it's a bad sign." And typically in the gaming industry, that is traditionally a bad sign, and it still is a bad sign. Um, but Doom was the one that was like, "No, it's it's actually a really great game." I just don't know if they didn't realize it, or if they, it didn't mock review well, or if they really just wanted to wait for the updates in the online component, which is not important to the game at all. I don't think yeah. anyone gives a flying fuck about it, frankly. Um, what I was really surprised about with Doom is Doom always told a story kind of a cursory way about demons on Mars is a very silly kind of shitty kind of, you know, <laughs> sci-fi thriller kind of thing. But I was actually really surprised in reading some reviews where like the story doesn't matter. There's no story. And I'm like, there's an incredibly deep story actually in this new doom. It's not necessarily an important or in- integral story to, to appreciating the Twitch gunplay that the fast fluid 60 frames that they have going on in this game. But it's really, 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 really deep surprisingly deep if you go get all the codices if you read about the monsters and there's the weapons, a narrative all the there, there right? is that's what you're and talking it's surprising about. like they've almost tried to ground doom in a way and, and you know doom i think from doom one to two to three has gotten i guess more grounded if you want to call it that it's yeah. never been grounded there's nothing grounded about fighting demons on mars but um and and in hell as well uh but it's i liked that narrative edge to it it was there if you want it but it doesn't yeah. get in the way of the game it's kind of similar to Wolfenstein in, in that sense, although I think the, the 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 plot is more in your face in Wolfenstein and it's more essential because you do have a character who it, B.J. Blasowitz is 
in Wolfenstein is a character who talks and interacts and does all those kinds mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. way more than you would see in, in a Doom game. So, um, yeah, so shout out to Doom and shout out to Bethesda. I mean, Bethesda appeared three times in the honorable mentions. And yeah. I'm confident in my own selections and your selections that I don't think any of these games appeared in each other's lists. So, right? Rocket League's not on your list, I assume, or maybe it is. Or is it? I know Wolfenstein and Doom isn't. No, they are not. So, and none of yours are in mine. So, lots of great games. So, yeah, so there are a lot of good games. And I also am excited now to see what the list is, how the list is going to be made up because there's no, there's no overlap yet. Although I'm sure there's going to be overlap on this. I'm Although, sure. looking at my list, I bet you there are only. Four games that we share. I'm going to say there's one, there's two. That's my guess. Four. I think there's going to be three. Three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody remember that. Write it down because we'll forget as always. You want to start with number 10? Sure. Uh, no, my number 10 is Dying Light. Ah. Um, yeah, I think that's... so. We've talked uh, kind of a lot about this, especially in Gamescast. Sure. And this is kind of turning a little bit of a joke, running joke with our audience. But this in another game called Mad Max. Um I really just think Dying Light is, and, and Dying Light's not a game I beat, but a game I, again, I got so sucked into, similar to The Witcher, but in a better way for me, where mm, mm. I really began to appreciate the craftsmanship of the game and the way the game's put together and the and the, the scope of the game. It's another zombie game, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. I mean, it's the way, it's the way we talk about Days Gone, where it's like, oh, but it's just, it looks like The Last of Us, and, sure. and that game can really suffer, but I think Dying Light still made it into that window in early 2015, where I was like, well, it, you could still kind of get away with the zombie shit without it being a little trite. Well, th- what's um, interesting is you've been against the zombie thing for so long, so for a zombie game to get you at this point, I mean, 2015, sure, but it was like, you've been over it way longer than yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know it was over it when we even got The Last of Us, Yeah. Um, and it's just that things are being done differently, or the gameplay mechanics, or the story, or some sort of... Uh, ancillary quality of the game drags you in, and I think with Dying Light, I just like the cra- I like the crafting, I like the day night cycle. I think it's really cool. Like you don't go outside during that night; it's really dangerous. It, it you know, games like that really started with me with like Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest on NES, where there's a day night cycle, and at night it's a little more scary. Yeah. It gets darker. The enemies take twice as much damage. You're dealing with some new features, or whatever. But in in Dying Light, the game is brutal like at night like you don't really want to go fuck around outside of course not no you get um, scared when it starts the sun starts yeah, to and, go down, and you get that warning yeah and and the the enemies are like way harder like you can't really see them you see them on your like hud tracking you and you're like hiding and staying still there's a there's a horror quality to the game that i think is underappreciated and i really do think as i've said before that techland um outdid themselves that game sold many millions of copies so i'm not the only one out there that enjoyed it um and it had a long burn too yeah. which i thought was interesting it came out at the right time and the right place uh, so I wanted, you know, I didn't want it to be like high up on the list, but I didn't want to, I would be remiss not to talk about Dying Light. Sure. Uh, I compiled, I'm compiled, oh, first off, I want to give a shout out to Tom Hawkins over on twitter.com slash game over Greg, right before we did the, I threw up the question, hey, we're about to do this show. What's your number one? What's your favorite PlayStation 4 game? Tom Hawkins chimed in with Dying Light, said refreshing, fun, gameplay, intense, looked great. Story wasn't amazing, but still pushed me through to the end. Uh, for me. Starting at number 10, because of the way we're doing this with points and stuff, I feel like these are throwaways, right? Like, it's going to be really hard for them to go. And not that this... Was, I wanted to put one in here that I think is new, and I, I'm really behind. And I put Overcooked in. I, I oh. fucking totally dug my weekend with Overcooked. And there's two games on here in this list, I feel like, that are like one-night stands, where I, I played the shit out of them when they first came, I first got them or did whatever, and it was great, and I had a lovely time. And I don't... Overcooked's 
works well as co-op, right? Poe was in town for the Weezer concert. We sat on the couch and it was literally like, let's play something and turned it on. I was explaining what all these games were. And I was like, oh, then this overcooked game. I don't know much about it, but we got to cook. And we sat there and we got obsessed with it to the point that it was all of a sudden we're sitting there shouting out what to do. All right, I'm going over there. Okay, I need a tomato. Bring in. We were talking like we Get were this man in, a tomato. We were talking like we're in a short order cook thing. And it's like, just as we thought we had it, they'd add some new wrinkle to it of like, okay, this, okay, now, you know, you're not just doing soup. You're making pizzas. Okay, now you think you've got this. The place is haunted and the tables are going up and you can't get what you need. And then, okay, now there's cars. You have to move between, do all these different things. And it was like, I'm a huge Diner Dash fan from back in the day. What a huge, what a great move this is of bringing something back like that and then complicating it by making it co-op, by making you go at it with somebody else, but work together and do all these different things. Right. I mean, it's what's surprising. I'm looking something up real quick. Sure, what, what surprises me is no matter how good the game is, it seems like a waste of a space. Mm. I, I'm interested to see what you, what I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm a little intrigued by your, a little more intrigued by your list. Like what oh, are you, what are you playing around with here? Yeah. Um, well, it's just like, I feel like this generation is, or uh, this generation so far isn't defined by it, but my memories, what stands out when I talk about what we're doing here is the local co-op experience, the local competitive experience. It is overcooked. It is Starwall. It is Gang Beast. It is Towerfall. It is Video Ball. It is all these different games that I want to sit on the couch and play with. When we first started kind of funny and we started doing all the different let's plays and we were trying to do like multiplayer Mondays and stuff. Those are some of my favorite times like screaming at Nick and doing all these different things. And so there's, I wanted to give a slot to at least one of those games and get it out of the way here. Right. Especially with our rules of like, you know, overcooked debuted everywhere at once. Whereas like star wall was on PC and tower fall ascension was already on the, what's the fucking, uh, the shitty thing. Ooh, nobody cared. And then it finally got over here. Like, this is one that I think works, is new, and I think deserves a nod, even though it's very, very young in the game. Number nine for me uh, is Super Stardust Ultra. Mm. Um, so this is an interesting one that I think skirts the rules a little bit, because Super Stardust Ultra is in many ways Super Stardust HD. It's, yeah. just, it's a port, but it's an enhanced port with added features to it. Some new gameplay elements. Some, I mean, it, it, it's it's... It reminds me of the way I felt about Super Stardust Delta, which is a Vita launch game, yeah. which is still one of Vita's best games, where it's it's pure gameplay. Super Stardust um, is really, really fucking good yeah. and uh, addictive in that house mark quality, right? We, we I, I played Alienation for fewer than 10 hours. I think you probably played it for you know maybe a similar amount of time or maybe a little bit more. Um, and I was surprised by how little it, it hooked me because to me, Alienation is too much to make it a housemark game. It, it, it loses sight of what made it a housemark game. When I talk about the housemark game that can go the furthest, it was Dead Nation, where housemark was like, we have the twin stick shooting that we're known for, the difficulty, the score-based kind of stuff, and we have some of these elements, these upgrade elements and these these collectible elements. Go to the shop, but we do don't, this, yeah. it, It's just enough. We're not going like, to make it a focal point of the game. And that was a huge problem for me with Alienation that turned me off instantly, where I'm like, this actually isn't about playing. This is... This is about upgrading and looping and all that kind of stuff, but it's not for score and it's not for. Uh, I'm like, so the spirit of the game is lost. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean Alienation is anything less than a good game because it is, but I am concerned that I couldn't believe it. I have a Housemark sticker on my on my computer. I I, I love that studio. I, yeah. I I adore Housemark. I've adored Housemark for years, and that was I, I was shocked by how little I cared about Alienation after playing it, which was like when Resogun came out. I was I couldn't stop playing it, and so with Super Stardust Ultra, which was ported by another studio, but you know Housemark was involved, and Sony obviously X Dev, 
help uh, help them bring it out. I, I I just I was so pleased with it. I thought it was a fun game. It's super Stardust. Yeah, it's the same game you played on PS3. It's the same game you played on Vita. And now you play it on PS4. But there's something about that that makes it so special. It's it's what I think is going to be what we find with Matterfall, even though we don't know anything about it yet from Housemark. I think that's going to be Matterfall to Resogun is that what I think is going to be Super Stardust Ultra, like Super Stardust HD or Delta. Right. So I wanted to it's give a shout out to return that game. to just arcade game. Right. And yeah, that's yeah. all that matters to me with yeah. their games. Sure. If I want a story or upgrades or whatever, I'll look elsewhere. Maybe they can do it better and more effectively. They did it with Dead Nation, which I think is a far superior game than Alien Nation. Um, so uh, nonetheless, uh, pure gameplay experience. Super Stardust Ultra. Okay. Number nine. My number nine is The Witcher Wild Hunt. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Uh, you know, Witcher 3 on paper is a game I should not give a flying fuck about. Uh, it is, you know, <laughs> what I'm always making fun of, this high fantasy uh, monsters and this, and it's in olden times and all these different things are going on, right? I, this is not a game that usually matters for me, but it hit at a time when I wanted a world to get lost in. I wanted an RPG to get lost in. And so to get it and get in there and be Geralt and then learn, learn you know, uh, I actually, you know, prefer Triss so much, right? And it wasn't even just trying to have sex in the game it was like i thought she was a cool character so yennefer shows up and i'm like no no no, i'm good i got this and like to have those connections and do that that's what those kind of games are about when i'm talking about getting lost in a world it's not just the fact that there's a million question marks to do there's a million things to do there's all these different things i liked all the characters in that game that mattered i like tris you know what i mean yennefer warmed up to me on an end or whatever but then like you know chasing this girl that you're somehow connected to and granted it was my first witcher game so i'm like she my daughter or what and i had to have it explained to me like oh okay cool whatever the game's awesome. The game's special. Uh, I liked the combat in it. That was, you know, I mean, you, you know it as well as most of our fans, man. Like, I loved Kingdoms of Amarillo Reckoning, and I just want every game to have that kind of gameplay. And this doesn't, but it. I thought it did have it not... It did to an extent where I was rolling and dodging and I had different things. And I was slashing. It's not arcadey, though. But it's... And that's the thing. It's like, it's weighted. Don't get me wrong. It's different, but it's still felt fast i still felt in control but not overpowered not comically either way right and so it's another one of those things that's like i i'm never going to sit here in front and be like i put seventy-five thousand hours in the witcher right i think i i think it's been so long now i think it was 35 right i don't think i ever made it out of act one because i just got lost doing everything but it's one of those games to me it reminds me so much of so many friends i had with the old gta's of like so much time got put into those games, but I don't know what I didn't finish the story. I don't know how it ends, but it didn't matter because every one of those side side quests you go on, you find something, you know, that you're totally into this the intrigue between this guy and his wife and this abortion or this, you know, this woman or this guy over here who's mourning the losses, his, you know, beloved. And then it turns out that she's this horrible ghost. And like there was like so much intrigue there that I was getting in the bite-sized snippets that I wasn't too worried about the overall yeah. thing. I'm and not even, I, that's the thing about Witcher is that I, I played it for about 40 hours. I didn't beat it. Yeah. I got so sucked into the minutia of the game that I'm not even sure what the fuck the game was about after a while. Yeah. Uh, because I was the, oh, those things like do this for this person and do, and get all these question marks and obsess over all this stuff. And, and as I've said many times, ad nauseum, that game's too much. There's too much. Um, now, I respect why people appreciate that, and that's awesome, and I wish them the very best. I don't think the game is bad. I think the game's actually great. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it act, the game also infuriated me, it, and I, I, because I just felt like I was making no progress, and this is, you know, when if you read the comments on the internet about when I say that, everyone's all mad about it, but when I talk to people that I know, everyone's like, yeah, it's like insane. It's sure. a, absolutely ridiculous. We were it, talking to a friend of ours, high-ranking person, and another uh, developer that we were talking to, yeah. and it was like, yeah, it was, it was outrageous. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, yeah, I was like... I don't want something like Mass Effect where I'm like, I need more. Like Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 were great. 
the games got less dense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. less RPG like as, as it went on, and that frustrated me. Even though I think the games themselves got better and the story and the plot was awesome, I was always like, I could use twice as much Mass Effect. But with The Witcher, I was like, I could use half as much Witcher. Remove half of this content, and the game is still way bigger than almost anything else. Sure. And it doesn't need to be this big. But I do appreciate the the the. I, I'm I'm curious how many people wrote that game. Like how, like how ah. there's a lot uh, that world. I mean, certainly I'll I'll say this. That was the most alive, varied, desolate, bloodshed, like just blood-ridden, war-torn world I'd ever seen. I, I couldn't believe the attention to every little detail in that game, and I do appreciate that. But for me, for the OCD nature of the way I play games, for the checkboxes, sure. I couldn't. I after a while, I was like I, I can't play this anymore. I just can't. And it was actually more than forty hours. I think it was more like sixty hours actually. Yeah, uh, I played the division for forty hours. Um, I just couldn't anyway. So I, 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 I respect get, it, but I, I but I, I mean, I, I was, at, at that point, I was like, I put in way too much time to sure. say I got to move on. And I get that. And that's the thing. In another lifetime, in another world, another dimension, I've beat The Witcher, right? I've platinumed that. I had so much fun because I could focus on it. But our jobs, you know, dictate that we move around so much. Mm-hmm. But I still feel in my 35 or 40 hours or whatever it was that I got my money's worth for sure. You know what I mean? And I often think about going back and jumping back in. It's just like, when am I going to have the time and how am I going to remember? And where is, you know what I mean? There's all these different things. That game's dead to me just in the sense that not not in a bad way, (laughs) but just in the sense like I, you can't roll, you can't jump back into role playing games. You can't. Yeah, I know. You have to start them again. And, and, and it's like, there's no, there's just no way that I'm doing that again. So shout out to you at Nick free who uh, gave us a tweet and said Witcher 3 was his uh, favorite PlayStation 4 game. Set the new standard for Western RPGs. I, I don't disagree with you in the sense of like, man, on a production value scale, on, on a writing scale, yeah. on, on all this kind of, just absolutely shit on well, what that, Bethesda's doing. And exactly, that was the thing, right? You, that's like, that, that you always talk about Fallout 4 and how you always say it was developed in a vacuum, right? It was very much like, heads down, we're making a game, and then it turns out, what, four months prior before that comes out, five months before that comes out, Witcher 3 drops, and it's like, oh, fuck, they just changed everything. They yeah. just changed the way that Yeah, Witcher 3 absolutely, I don't want to say embarrassed what Bethesda Game Studios was doing with Fallout, but, but definitely like made them look bad. From a graphical standpoint, from a production standpoint, the game runs better. It looks way better. It, the graphics are better. The writing's better. The voice acting's better. Yeah. I like everything in the game. And I was like, this is done by like a Polish studio that no one really cared about. CD Projekt had its own fans and stuff, but like it's the same thing with Techland, with Dying Light. Like now they're on the scene. Now there's expectations. Cyberpunk, which who the hell knows when that's coming out. And Gwent, obviously, is a game that's coming out before that, which is a spinoff of Witcher. Um, there's now expectations, and we'll see how they deal with that. Bethesda has had heavy expectations, and I don't think yeah. has been dealing with it especially well. They've been delivering what we expect. Can Cyberpunk and inevitably they're going to make Witcher 4, which will probably come out in the 2020s, literally, uh, will they exceed expectations or meet expectations? And the same thing with Techland, who I'm sure is going to make, they're making two games right now and one of, of them will be Dying Light too. Yeah. Um, number eight for me is Outlast. Ah. Um, I Outlast was close to being a launch game for PS4, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I was really impressed by it. In a, in a time when... Uh, survival horror is really in the shitter except for some indie classics. I know people really like Soma, for instance, or yeah. um, which came out later. Or, um, you know, we always talk about what I still think is the king of uh, survival horror, which is Dead Space. We're not, which is a triple A game. We've just had a dearth of these games that really matter. And Outlast was really clever. It, it, yeah. and, and I, and I, 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 I give Red Barrel a lot of credit. They're making a sequel. I'll be interested to see like what it's all about when it comes out. Um, but Outlast was cool because it was not about combat, which is not necessarily novel anymore. But you go into this 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 insane insane asylum. asylum. You sneak in. You 
I, you're a journalist. You're you're basically just looking for information, and you're trying to survive, avoid enemies. You, you yeah. don't want to fight them. Hide. Use um, your night vision on your camera. Get the hell out of that's there. That's what I loved about it the most was that you were finding, and it's a little ridiculous you're finding so many batteries for your camera. But <laughs> I love the idea of like you can't see in the dark except for with the inf- or with, except for the night vision on your camera. Yeah, it's a cool mechanic. Now, are they going to do that in the new one? Or are they going to have some sort of different clever mechanic? Should they have even made a sequel? I don't know. I'm glad they are because I like sequels. I don't think that's necessarily a dirty or bad thing. Um, but I, I I really feel like that was a, a early on in the in the PlayStation 4's life cycle. That was one of those experiences where I was like, this is a really fantastic game. And um, I really encourage people to play it. You can probably find it pretty affordable affordably at this point. So um, shout out to Red Barrels. Outlast. Uh, really, really good stuff, um, especially if you like survival horror. And yeah. I, I think I, I think survival horror has gone awry. I think that's obvious. Seems like Capcom might be trying to bring it back with Resident Evil after yeah. PT kind of influenced it, et cetera, and so on. But these are all after the fact. I think Outlast was really one of those games that came out cutting edge. Yeah, in a way, in an ironic kind of way, where everyone was like, "Well, Resident Evil Five and Six are like shooters now, and all yep. this kind of stuff." And that's not what survival horror is all about. It's about survival horror. That's what mm-hmm. that's what it's about. It's not about anything else. And and it's just the, the same reason why I love the typewriters in the old Resident Evil games, and the same reason why I like all those kinds of things. It's like it's just there's got to be a mechanic that makes it feel like you might not win. Yeah. And I feel like in Outlast, it was one of those kinds of games. Now, Outlast ending is terrible. And a category but, terrible. It's but you so know it's hard a, to end horror games or horror a, movies a horror, yeah. or horror anything. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm really fond of uh, Rosemary's Baby and I'm really fond of The Shining. I really love those movies. Probably with, with, with Children of the Corn, probably my three favorite movies. They all are terrible endings. But it's about the it's about the adventure. Rosemary's, the baby, Rosemary's baby falls off a fucking cliff. But oh, man, that they movie, dropped the baby off a cliff yep, at the end. But they, they, but they, they, they. Uh, it's all about getting there. Yeah. That movie's fantastic. Uh, and Alice is kind of a similar thing. So I, I do want to set expectations there, but I do think it deserves to be on the list. Okay. Uh, in that theme of horror and stuff, my number eight is Until Dawn. What a fantastic game Until Dawn was. And I, it, you talk about a game that seemed like it was it was gone. Right. We played that thing for the first time. We're using move controllers. It's this campy 80s kind of horror movie vibe or whatever. And we're like, all right, this seems whatever. We'll see how it turns out. Disappears off the face of the fucking planet, comes back and it's got Nashville's own Hayden Penitentiary. And then you we sat down and played it. And it, even when we did the remember when they sent us that preview build and it was like running poorly on the test unit, there was still something to it that was interesting. But you weren't sure if it was going to uncanny valley or how it was going to come together and to finally sit down and play that game. What a brilliant fucking idea. What a brilliant idea of going through that. We, you know, we're such big heavy rain fans going through this and watching these guys, the people who are making until dawn out heavy rain, heavy rain. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah, the game doesn't end. And yes, you can keep going. And these little choices you're making in the butterfly effect. How is that going to influence your relationship with these people? And how is that going to influence the different stories you get? And how are you going to get to this point? I thought it's also one of the best, you know, uses of the light bar and motion control, right? Of that mm-hmm. popping up and like actually feeling like, oh shit, don't move, don't move, don't move. And like the controller rumbling a little bit to fuck with you and stuff. Like there's general terror and fear there let alone the fact you're trying to make you make connections and you make decisions right where you hate this you hate this girl but you love this girl or you love this guy and you want to see let's get them together as a couple let's make this work let's try to break up over here there's all these different playthroughs that one of the reasons you know why i always love the walking dead game so much right is like i always talk about it being a coloring book and we all get the same picture and we all get the same story and we shade it in differently and that's where it ends this is that to the umpteenth degree of going through and okay cool what is this going to be by the end of it? Who is going to live? Who is going to matter? I just thought it was brilliant. It was awesome to play it. It was, it, it was, it's one of the very, very, very few games that 
I loved playing it and then I loved watching it. It, it was that played through it. And then like we did, a, you know, our extra life stream and I tried to stay awake to watch Nick and Tim play it for the first time to see what they would choose and how they would go. And then I wanted to see their differences and then talk to them about it or talk to somebody at a bar. You know what I mean? When you're out with Marty or something, how did this play out for you? Yeah, I think until dawn um, is really a special game but also a game of, 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 of varying and shifting expectations. I think sure. you're right. We saw the game a long time ago, as you said, at New York Comic Con, I want to say in 2011 maybe, when it was running on PS3, and it was, it was interesting. I was like, all right. Like, and then they did disappear. They disappeared for a long time for years, and, and, they, and they, they eventually revealed the game, and it was totally different, and it was, it was something that Sony had clearly dumped money into. Supermassive is obviously a second-party studio or had a second-party relationship with Sony. Not so much anymore. They've, it seems like they've gone full third-party at this point. Um, and... What I'm, what I was so intrigued by was I felt like this game was getting short shrift by Sony, um, and I feel like it was, uh, it was sad because Sony was putting a lot more energy behind the order, which was definitively a bad game. Yeah, and the whole marketing budget yeah. seemed to go there. And so by the time Until Dawn came out later in 2015, it didn't seem like they really believed in it. it didn't seem like they really pushed it. it. Didn't seem like they really released it at a smart time or in a smart fashion either. And that was super disappointing because I think, I think Until Dawn is a super, super great game. Uh, interesting PlayStation 4 exclusive, certainly one of the strongest PlayStation 4 exclusives. And uh, I agree, an interesting game that Quantic Dream probably had to look at a little bit kind of closely. Now, when we saw Detroit, I think that they're fine. But, yeah, Detroit looks awesome. Um, and it looks like they're back going to take the ball back and, and be fine. Uh, what I was most disappointed about with Until Dawn, though, was it was the, the, what happened afterwards. I thought Sony would have been smart enough, and who knows what happened behind the clo- behind closed doors and behind the scenes, to really be like, we need to make this into a franchise. It doesn't have to be about these kids in this place, but Until Dawn should be a franchise, and you guys should take this money and go make this game. And what we found out is that they're not making a sequel. Sony owns the IP. They can have someone else do it if they want, but those guys are going to go make games for everyone now, and, and that's fine, but it seemed like it was a mistake. It seemed like they, Sony dropped the ball with that. Shouldn't let him go away. Um, because what was funny was that no one had any expectations for this game, and, and you could tell at PSX in 2014 uh, the way that that went that over crowd the crowd. Play, man. I was like, this game is going to be something cool, and and it it's one of those few games where I went in with expectations, and it actually exceeded my expectations. So I'm like, this game, and I remember telling you, I played it first. You did, yeah. and I remember, I remember, I played it all in like a day or two, and I was, I remember you were gone, or you were I was doing, on a trip, yeah. and I was like, you have got to play this game. This game's fantastic, yeah, and um, and that's the same thing. I mean, yeah. you talk about games that have recently fallen apart for me with that right oxen free um uh abzu games that have come out where people are like this is amazing this is on my short list i'm like oh fuck i can't wait to play this and i sit down and play and i'm like oh man the bar was way too high this is way underneath it for me it didn't do it to go into until dawn having you said that having the internet saying that seeing the reviews seeing people talking about it on streams and stuff to go in there and still come away and be like you're right this was fucking awesome that's rare Number seven for me is Mad Max. Ah. Um, I'm going to stand by this game until the day I die. I think that this game got, again, short shrift. I think this game came out at a bad time, came out at the same day as Metal Gear Solid Five. So yep. obviously it's going to be compared to a game that I think is probably objectively superior in many ways. Um, but I don't think it's superior in every way. I played Metal Gear Solid Five for, for 10 hours or so, and I got a taste of it. And I think that Mad Max exceeds and excels in ways, exceeds and excels in ways that, yeah. that uh, Metal Gear Solid Five doesn't. Now, the thing about Mad Max is that it's an interesting IP. Doesn't take it doesn't take advantage of the movie that just came out, which is a fantastic film, which is fine. Uh, but there's a desolate nature to the game. There's a, there's a there's a, a direness to it. It's really it's really actually interesting that we talk about games being empty or lifeless, and then we talk about games being too dense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the lifelessness and the lack of almost 
uh, just anything to do in the game, really, like in, in a meaningful way, w- was part of the game's character because it's like this is like the end of the world, dude. Everyone's like fighting for oil, no one yeah, has water, yeah. and it's over. And and so of course there's like what do you expect as you drive like, point to point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the world's done, like the, the sandstorm taking everything over. There's no lo- life and everything. And, and I found its desolate nature beautiful. As I've said before, there was no be- more a journey really nailed the beautiful desert nature, yeah. like the de- a, a desert kind of thing, and. Mad Max. I was. I, 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 there were vistas, and I, I was like, I can't believe how pretty this game is. Now, from a gameplay perspective, it's like Batman Light by the Arkham mm, Games mm, Light, mm. and I don't really like the Arkham Combat, and that's not really what what did it for me. It was the car combat that I thought was really cool. Upgrading your car, having like chasing after these cars and using all this crazy shit to pull off their armor, and like yeah, people yeah. Are jumping onto your car, and you're like swerving to get them off. And I was like, this is really cool. And 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 having just played Just Cause, which is done by a different part of Avalanche that came out a few months later, having played Just Cause Three. Just for a little bit, I'm like, I'm not so sure that this game is any, like nearly as good as Mad Max. Yeah. And, and and so I understand why people didn't play it or didn't appreciate it. It didn't sell that well. I, I, I doubt you'll ever see anything from them again in terms of Mad Max. But I think that game deserves a little bit more love. And what I, I, I'm always heartened because I get a lot of tweets. You know, every so often someone's like, you're right about Mad Max. Like I went back and played it, which I got it for $20. I rented it or whatever. Someone gave it to me and I was like, you're right about this game. I don't know why I didn't play it. I don't know why I didn't pay attention to it. I really do implore people to give it another look. If you like kind of collect-a-thons if you like taking over pieces it's a very ubisoft kind of style yeah. game if you t- take over pieces of the map um do these side quests there's a main story through the game and all this kind of stuff i think you, i think you'll appreciate it um unfortunately i spent again it's one of those games where something else came out and i never i never got to the very end of it i almost did but it's one of those games where i probably spent twice as much time as i should have spent with it too like I, if i wanted to beat it i probably could have and and saved myself 20 hours too but i was having so much fun just fucking around and that's that, i mean that's the sign that, of a great game yeah. you know what i mean and that that's, you always talk about it right gameplay is king so it doesn't have to just be the narrative that's driving you through it is the you know the the check boxes and getting lost in a world and that's what it always comes back to for me and, and i think that that's what that game does is the gameplay is fun but i also think that the, the game has character yeah like i think that the game has heart for all of its its uh for all that it's it seems like it's missing on the outside that's part of the game is what it's missing and i think it's pretty cool i i i, I want to give that game a shout out who knows if it will survive on the list forever but sure exactly but for yeah, now yeah. i mean i still think about the game i'm just like i had a great time with mad max yeah 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 uh my number seven is ratchet and clank uh ratchet and clank is a game i have not beaten still what happened is it had come out it sat on my it sat forever on my shelf around my uh live area for the playstation 4 and i wasn't in the mood for it. I needed to be in the mood for that game and that mood wasn't there and I woke up one Saturday and the mood was there and I jumped in and it lived up to all the expectations you had set and everybody else had set uh, it was beautiful it was fun it was funny it was interesting it was it, you know we're talking about games being too light or too dense it was the the perfect amount of I'd be like all right cool I'm almost done. I, I'm ready to go to the next story beat but I only need to collect eight more things for this one side objective. Why not stay here and do this? And then when I did open up and it was, I had a whole bunch of worlds. Well, why don't I go after all the gold bolts right now? Why am I, you know, why not just go to take care of that? Cause I'm enjoying the gameplay so much. Sure. The story's fun. It's ratchet. It's clank. It's quirk. I'm having a great time there, but I'd much rather just be in this world as long as possible. Go through and get as many things. I'm going to get back to it when I'm in the mood, when the mood strikes and jump into that way. But ratchet came along and scratched that itch and when we talk about games that's what it is and it was a throwback it was a return to form it was uh, it was ratchet again whereas there had been so many spinoffs and weird things and then people had wanted to get back to a crack in time and maybe crack in time did too much it did too much with the characters too many different things that weren't what people wanted from ratchet necessarily uh this was classic ratchet and it was what i wanted at that time 
It's literally classic Ratchet, right? I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a reimagining. It's not a remake or, 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 or just a port of the original, but it's a reimagining of what the original probably should have been. Yeah. And so it has new worlds and it's rewritten. And one of the things that I, I, I walked away from with Ratchet and Clank, I agree with you, Ratchet and Clank's fucking awesome. Ratchet yeah. and Clank, th- I hadn't, I thought it was gonna be fine, but we had been burned by that series so many times since A Crack in Time in 2009 that... Um, I was like, I, I didn't expect that they were going to execute. And what I was surprised about were a few things. A, they nailed one of the things that was was unfortunate about the first one, the tension between Ratchet and Clank. That was the thing that Insomniac admitted was a mistake when they made that game. The, Ra- Ratchet and Clank had an uncomfortable relationship and they did not like each other in the first game. Yeah. And it was weird and I didn't like it. And, it, and it, it, I was like, but I want them to like each other. Now, you have no idea. Like, they kind of skip and gloss over like their friends very quickly in this reimagined story. They shake story. hands. He teaches them how to shake hands. But it's it's that's part of the charm is like, I want them to work together. I'm not looking for a tension between ratchet and clank. Like that's not what I want. Yeah. It's weird. The tensions between really ratchet and quark in this. And, and, and that to me is not that the story is necessarily important. It's the characters that are important in this game. And, and the game's well written, well acted. It is funny. It's very funny. And I was surprised by how funny I was surprised that I was laughing out loud. It was the first time I was really laughing out loud at a game since, since South park. Yeah. Um, stick of truth. The gameplay is really fun. And it, 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 it did what sly four did, which was, when Sanzaro really Sly 4 on PS3 and Vita, which was, we were, remind, we were reminded of this character and reminded of its irrelevance in a limited way. Now, the movie didn't do anything. They fucking ate shit on that movie. I don't think Ratchet and Clank is going to be as relevant as they hoped. Yeah. But I really do want them to make another one. And, and they I, will, I, and for I, and sure. I, and I was surprised that they charged $40 for it. I thought it was a bold move. It sold probably way better than it was going to. It charted. Yeah. They could have gotten away with charging $60 for that. I don't think anyone would have cared. I think they should be smart enough to make the game a little meatier the second time around. And, I'm sure they will. And I think, be, I think we're going to start it. moving back to yeah, what you saw with the, you know, the ratchets that are more fleshed out. Yeah. So I think you know the, the, the 3D platformer is dead for all intents and pur- you know yeah. for, for, all, for all intents and purposes. Ukulele, son, is bringing it back. Ukulele is going to probably be awesome, right? Yeah. But that's not really the zeitgeist anymore. And I was glad that they were like, no, we can still have fun with this. And it's still fun. It's felt great. It looked great. Um, it looked really great. I was saying that there were parts of that game where I was like, this is actually like gorgeous. Yeah, this is a gorgeous no, no, totally, game. totally. Well, and that was the whole thing that, you know, they'd always said, you know, we, I would joke around. I did a bunch of interviews with Ted Price that, you know, and did one of South by Southwest and how they would always be like, you know, when we were getting through the PS2 or even when we put it on PS3, it looks like a Pixar movie. It looks like a Pixar movie. It does. There's this PlayStation 4 version are totally parts that look exactly like a Pixar movie. So, like I said, like for all intents and purposes, like this is as close as we're going to get to that heyday, that PS2 specifically yeah. heyday, or PS1, but really PS2 heyday of these kinds of games. I think that they might be smart to let it breathe a little bit. I agree. I'm still hoping that they're letting Sly breathe. Sly 4 obviously ended on a cliffhanger, and I would like to play Sly 5. Um, I bet Sly's gone for a long time. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I feel like Ration and Clank was a great victory. If it wasn't for Uncharted, I think that would have been the great victory of for PlayStation in the year, and I think that would have been totally fine. And... Uh, I also feel like th- that th- th- it's it's it, it, it's one of those exclusives that just snuck up. Yeah, we look at we looked at everything. We're like, well, where are the exclusives? And then we're looking at the first parties. I was one of those people, and then I'm like, but I forgot. Like, yeah, that there this, was this was worth more because we had all for one, and because we had into the nexus, which what really was supposed to be a return to form, but wasn't. And we, and we had, you know, full, full frontal, frontal assault, assault and all yeah. that. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what are you doing to these characters? Because they're actually really fantastic. And Insomniac's a fantastic studio. So props to them. Yeah. And I'll really be excited. I'm sure that they'll announce the next one. So maybe it'll be a PSX. I mean, I'm not, they won't show, but they'll be like, we're working on it. It'll come sure, out sure, sure. Squiggles over on Twitter gave that uh, Ratchet Clank a shout out too. He said, took me back to the good old days of no bills and no responsibilities. Colin, mm. what's your number six? 
Number six for me is Wolfenstein, the new order. Ooh, yes. Uh, so in the honorable mentions, honorable mention number two, specifically, I talked about Wolfenstein, the old blood, which was the spinoff standalone DLC pack, which was basically just another game, actually really just shorter. The Wolfenstein, the new order, with the exception of its abysmal ending or beginning, rather, which we talked about many yeah, times yeah. over, if they just lost cut that, so if many just, people, so many people, lost. That, they just cut that 30 minutes out. That game is awesome. That game is so awesome. Now, I know that alternate history is a little trite. We have resistance, which was kind of carrying the banner for a while. And Wolfenstein's always done this thing, Mecha Hitler and all that kind of stuff. There's something really cool about the game. And by the time you get to Poland and you get to that hospital in the beginning of the game, once that intro is over, thankfully, <laughs> you, what you find is a game that is really, really, really thoughtful. And what I love about it and what I think... Um, Doom has borrowed from, or id had borrowed from it in a way, and machine games and id seem to be learning a little bit from each other, which is cool, being that they're in the same publishing family, is the cool way you upgrade your character. Um, and, you know, you, you, you're, you're upgrading yourself by doing things. You're like, And it, it sounds so straightforward, but in a shooter, you don't you really get things like that. Like It's like, sneak up behind these guys 20 times, and you're going to be able to get this extra skill, or get 20 headshots and you'll get this extra skill. It's just not something that's necessarily common to these kinds of games where your character is all about the weapon he finds, not about the character you're building. And I think that Wolfenstein did built character well with BJ Blazkowicz making him human yeah, um, and giving him agency in the game. But also like, I love the commander structure in, in, in a lot of different areas and like the each chapter has multiple areas where you're like, there are commanders and they have headsets and, they're like you can see where they are and you have to, if you could sneak to them then, then no one can call reinforcements and you can yeah, kind of sneak yeah. without killing anyone and stuff it's like the, the 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 variety of enemies was cool it felt grounded for a, a game that's about mutating creatures and like you know uh, pseudo archaeology and all sorts of shit that those games are about um i always had a soft spot for that series and I was so very impressed with the game when I was at IGN. I said it was, I gave it like a seven point something because of that, that, that intro was brutal. Yeah. And I really wonder on their heat mapping how, uh, cause I'm sure they can see internally like how many people they lost because that intro sucks and it's not indicative. I can't believe it got through. I can't believe they, they like left that in. And that's why I'm so excited to see the new Colossus, which is rumored to be the next Wolfenstein game that machine games is working on that. They hinted at at E3 in an Easter egg during quake, which was, how will this one begin? Because I bet you it's going to begin. They learned everything. And it's going to begin with a bang and it's going to begin instantly. Just give me control of the character. I don't want to be in an airplane for all this time. I don't want to walk around like a moron. You know, just let me. Wolfenstein's not necessarily about these big things. It's about kind of sneaking around and, and taking your time and reading documents and finding gold and upgrading your character and all that kind of stuff. And so there's like a cool RPG elements. I think that game deserves a lot of credit and I really implore people to play it. And if you don't have a PS4 yet, you can play it on PS3. There you go. Uh, my number six is tales from the borderlands. Uh, this is a game that completely took me by surprise. They announced this and I thought, what a stupid move. Like telltale can do whatever they want. And they're doing a borderlands thing. You don't, there's no action in telltale games. How are they going to do that and make it make sense? I love borderlands too. played the hell out of that, played the hell out of the handsome collection, played, you know, uh, the pre sequel that through that. And I don't play borderlands for the story. I of course play borderlands for the guns and the RPG and leveling up and having something fun to play with other people. Uh, when this came around, I, I got my code. I put it on my PlayStation four and forgot about it. And the story goes that, you know, I think it was three weeks after release, maybe two weeks. I was sitting there. I'd had a bad day. I had a beer and I jumped into a game, started playing it. And I was like, ah, this is when I want to jump to another game. This is when I want da, 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 down the line. until I saw it and I was like, why not? And five minutes in 10 minutes in I'm laughing out loud like that game is telltale's funniest game it is 
some of the best acting they have from, uh, of course, Troy Baker, friend of the show, Laura Bailey, friend of the show. Uh, they get on. They just I, it caught me so off guard that a, a, that a property that I enjoy but don't really care about could enrapture me that way make me care about it make me care more about the world that i'll be more interested to go into borderlands 3 and, and play more around that and understand a little bit better of what's happening but i cared about different characters that are in that game that are in the borderlands universe that i never cared about before you know what i mean the skeeter catch rod all these different people and then the way they introduce new characters and do callbacks it's some of i've talked to the telltale guys before you know it's i think it's some of their it shows the power of how Telltale makes games. You know what I mean? Because we give them a lot of shit. Their engine's garbage all the time. This different. It still save. is apparently on Batman, which is unbelievable. I, what I played on PC was fine, but I haven't played the PlayStation 4 version Even yet. Even when I saw it at E3, it was chugging. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this is crazy. But so, nonetheless. Yeah, I just want to call a spade a spade for experiences. Um, the fact that like Loaderbot was such a hit in episode one that they made him a bigger part throughout the game. He has some of my best lines. Like when they're like, when, when fucking Ashley Johnson shows up front of the show as Gordis or whatever, and is like, how, how was your day? And he's like, to be honest, it's a mixed bag. That is one of the funniest fucking lines I've ever heard in a video game, the way it's delivered, the whole experience leading up to it. And then to continue go and just, it, it suddenly went from this game that I was like, all oh, right, that's on my PlayStation four to, Oh shit. A new episode comes out. Like I'm going to pour myself a drink. I'm going to turn off the lights. I'm going to put on the surround sound and I'm going to have an episode. I'm going to have an experience. I'm going to have a, like a show. I really like on television, right? Where I really care about the characters and I want to see where it goes. And this was for me, I was fucked this up. I think, cause I, you know, I, I skipped game of Thrones or whatever. Cause I didn't care about it for telltale. And I think Minecraft was after it. Right. But don't, for me, it was the first time where telltale was doing those amazing openings where, you know, walking dead's just walking dead. You know, they put up the logo and that's what it does. But these were the ones where they picked the exact right song and they would do things in slow motion and spin the camera around. And it was like, it felt like I was playing. It felt like the start of an awesome movie every time, like an intro to a movie that was really going to kick in and have a great time with. And I had a great time with that game. And that's why it's there. Well, what's interesting to me about Telltale's Borderlands is that it was it's in that middle ground where like you expect you have expectations of Batman. Yeah, you have expectations of The Walking Dead. On the other end of the spectrum, you have games like uh, The Wolf Among Us that where it's like, I don't know, what the, the hell is this going to be? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. What's interesting to me about this is like where it, the, the rumors of this Mr. Robot shit falls in. Right. Um, does it become like a, if, if, if it's true and who the fuck knows? I mean, they're basically at the point where we're recording this. We have no idea. Yeah. Um, but there's pretty good rumors about it because they're retweeting things from Evil Corp, which sure. is a thing from Mr. Robot and stuff like that. But does it fall within that spectrum of like no one cares? Does it fall into the spectrum of surprise? Are they doing something totally different? Um, Telltale, even though I'm not into their games uh, generally like per se, I, I feel like I, I respect what they're trying to do. Because I think story has a very important place in gaming, and and they're doing it in a way that, in a meaningful and complicated way. And I think that for all the shit we give them about their engine, or I, especially I give them about their engine, which I think is deserved. I cannot believe that their shit doesn't run properly still for some people. Like years later, Game of Thrones was another example where people was eating people's saves. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, you guys nuts! Like, just go away and fix this for a while. You have plenty of flush <laughs> with cash. Yeah, everyone knows that. Um, but at the same time. The writing, the other end of the game, the writing and the character is so very complicated. And it seems like things, you know, like Clementine will remember that. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's a famous thing, like on the internet now, like, well, someone will remember that. It's like, but like they do remember that. And it's cool that that's like written in three episodes from now. And it, I can't imagine the complicated nature of the way that oh, they have the to go. String theory on their walls and doing all this different and stuff. Like all this butterfly effecting that they have to do for their game. So, speaking of Untold Dawn. And I think it's worth pointing out just for the record, for full transparency, of course, I'm hosting that Batman show for Telltale over on their, that game. But 
I would, I, I, you, if you're watching this, you probably trust my opinion, but just a heads up if you wanted to be a hater or something. I, I, I work with them on that show. Not that that would influence my opinion of Tales from the Borderlands uh, number, six to seven months ago. My number five is Until Dawn, so I'll kick it back Nail. to you. Oh, okay, cool. But we yeah, already we, talked about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm just making sure. Yeah, great pick. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it's getting a lot of points. Uh, my number five is Lego Dimensions. Uh, Lego Dimensions is another one of those games that actually at, when it got announced, uh, I remember going uh, on Colin or live being like, that's stupid. We don't need another toys of life game. And kids were like, well, you love the Lego games. And I'm like, yeah, but this will be different. Wake me in when they have Ghostbusters and Superman. Everybody was like, oh, they get teased in the trailer. And I was like, well, fuck now I'm buying Lego dimensions. And then I went and Comic-Con uh, last year, right? Yeah. 2015 was the first time I actually played it. And I play, I sat down to play it and I was like, oh, it's a Lego game. I, and I know that sounds so stupid now, but I thought it was going to be something like Disney Infinity where it was characters dropped into a world and there's just some light RPG mechanic thing around them. You're running around doing shit and it wasn't going to be a Lego game, but it was Lego game. It was the same fan service. It was the studs. It was I, I always talk about the stream when they came over and showed us they debuted back to the future with us and it was like Huey Lewis is playing and there's three versions of Hill Valley and there's all these references that I get as a huge back to the future fan and, and Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and it's like holy shit I remember freaking out and nerding out about this and nerding out about the fact that every character you put on the portal pops in and has a, their own HUD like it looks different it looks like the out of time logo for Marty and there's you know donuts for Homer's hearts and all these things and I was saying this and the developer turns to me he's like yes it's as if we care and I was like oh right like I totally totally wrote this off as this was going to be a toys of life kids game cash in and it's not it is tt games making however many you know if there's 17 people you're doing in this wave it's 17 lego games in a way where they're doing everything you'd want out of it i think all the le- the level packs have been awesome they've been different they've been fun actually i didn't like midway arcade pack i thought that one sucked but if you like midway arcade games i'm sure you would have enjoyed it a lot too but there's something about it and like to sit there and have the game tell me, all right, now it's time to build the portal and now it's time to build the figures in the, in the, in the, uh, their cars or their team packs or whatever. Like I didn't expect to have that much fun. Like definitely one of the things I love the most about the game is sitting there and building the characters that I'm about to put into it. Cause I can still go play Lego Marvel Avengers or do whatever the hell mm-hmm. I want to go do. But this is a game that scratches that itch of, I don't want to be, I don't, I know you give me shit all the time. Cause like you are like, Literally, you could just put your clothes in a little spindle and you'd be out the house and you'd have everything. And I I don't have that much stuff in terms of how I used to live or how I, I live in the Midwest or what I have in my dad's attic. And I didn't want to go back to that. You know what I mean? I have rules about the Funko Pops I'll buy. But like to have these Legos and have these different things and have these little guys and put them in and have these collections again of things that I use in video games. It's so much fun and the games are so much. They're so interesting. And they're so funny and there's so many different things happening in them. I'm just a big fan. Can't speak to that game. No, I know. So I'm, I'm going to move on if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Don't worry about it. Number four for me is uh, Ratchet and Clank. So I'll kick it back to you once more. Uh, my number four is Life is Strange. Life is Strange. Um, it's one of those. It, it, I, I think if you're going to talk about games, right? Now, especially like, this is where we get into a very interesting three games, I think, in my list. So we're talking about Lego Dimensions, Life is Strange, and what I put at number three. I think that Lego Dimensions, I'm over the moon about. I talk about it all the time. I tweet about it all the time, right? I host the panels at Comic-Con. I'm excited for year two and I can't wait for all this content and da, 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 da. But when I started getting to these things where I started, these three games, I kept moving around. I kept moving around this spot of the five, four, three. And I kept coming back to the fact that Max and Chloe and Arcadia Bay means something to me in a way that Lego Dimensions doesn't. Lego Dimensions is toys. I'm playing with toys and that's fun. And I, oh my gosh, the Superman voice, this is great. And the Wonder Woman song and it's all what I want. But 
Life is Strange is another one of those telltale light games, right? Where I went through and I made my choices and I played it out the way I was going to play it out. And that was my story. That was my story is Max. And there's something special about that. And there's something, because I always talk about it with, whether it's Walking Dead, whether it's Gone Home, whether it's a million other games, whether it's Life is Strange, like these experiences, these kind of narratives where I, you go through and you live in these people's shoes and you make those choices strike such a chord with me that Life is Strange I love from a story perspective. As a trophy hunter, I loved going back for the Platinum because they put in the collectible mode where it was fun to go through and try to figure it all out. Uh, I love the choices. I love the way it played out and I just love the fandom that's built around that thing and what those relationships were and it is such an interesting like i remember playing episode one and not being sold on it i played it right at launch and i was like i don't know blah, blah, blah. and then i waited till they were all out and sat there and played it and like getting it like that like binge watching a netflix show going through it gave me so much more perspective and what it's like to again be an outsider in this high school and then to have superpowers which i wouldn't know about but i know about the outsider part to have superpowers and some of the choices you make and how that affects the timeline and going through and having really unexpected cliffhangers or seeing different things or even when you rewind it, you're like, this will be the right choice and it not being the right choice. It was fascinating. It was really fun to play. I think uh, you've you've made me very intrigued about about this game yeah. in a way that no one else has because it's it's interesting. It's about a teenage girl. It's a, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just like you hate teenage girls. I hate teenage girls. So it's it's a that's a huge problem for me. But um, you know, I, I I'm like I, I just don't know that this game's for me. But the more I hear you talk about it, you know, it, it's very interesting to also think about maybe putting Don't Nod, the developer, yeah. in the same uh, category as the way we talk about CD Projekt Red in a very affectionate way, and the way we talk even about Techland, in the sense that like they made Remember Me, which yeah. was a game that was so mediocre that. Sony dropped it as an exclusive and Capcom picked it up at the last minute and it was published and no one gave a fuck about the game. I platinum the game for some reason, but um You're and out. so like you, we didn't know that they could they could do this and and it seems like they're charting a different kind of course for that, themselves the very different kinds of games. Um are they doing a second season or are they doing they're doing some digital TV show? Uh there had been what like they that I remember that day where like a whole bunch of Go games got copyrighted. There's a there was a Life is Strange Go got oh, copyrighted. Yeah, a, oh, yeah, URL right. got registered. I forgot. You what have it to was. imagine that they'll be back with it. Because Square Enix, by the way, props to them um uh just in the sense of you know, I, I felt the same way about I Am Setsuna, which we talked about extensively, which is a game, the last game I platinum and a game I really enjoyed, JRPG, where they're, they they seem to be identifying in some ways like these kind of more unusual games um, from both the East and the West yeah. that are not necessarily AAA and not necessarily uh, $60 games, but games that seem to deserve an audience nonetheless. And so, deserve an audience um, is a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, no, you know, shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, number three for me is Mega Man Legacy Collection. Ah. Um, the reason I put this on the list was was for multiple reasons. First of all, um, digital, uh, I think they're called digital, I brought it up here. I, I always get Frank Cifaldi's company. Digital Eclipse are the guys that put this out. And I watched a really fascinating speech from uh, GDC just a few months ago with him where he was talking about game preservation and the idea of uh, ROMs and the idea of piracy and all these kinds of things. And he was talking a lot about Mega Man Legacy Collection in the sense because they did that game where the reason that that game matters is because it's not... They're not ROMs. They're not ports. They're actually, they've actually emulated the NES to play these games the way the NES plays, and they're exactly right. And I can tell you, there is, I don't know anyone in this world, I'm sure they exist, but I don't know the person yeah. that knows those games better than me. Those six Mega Man games. Sure. I know those games inside and out. I know every fucking pixel of those games, every note of their music, every beat of their gameplay. I know them, especially when it comes to two and three. And they are perfect. They're perfect. 
They're perfectly done. They're perfectly executed. The slowdowns where it's supposed to be, the 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 the, the flickers where it's supposed to be. And I know that that people are like, well, why do you want flicker? Because I mean, that's the way the game plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flickering was a way to make the NES run the game. The games were slowing down because there's too much shit on the screen at once. You can slow, especially Mega Man Three. You can slow the game down manually by shooting too much. And that's part of the gameplay experience. I wouldn't know how to play those games without that kind of stuff. If, if everyone's like Mega Man Three now runs in Top Man stage when you fight the cats with the yarn and the the, the yarn bat, batting back forth, then I'm like, there's no slowdown. I'm like, I don't even know. That's like totally foreign to me. Right. Since 1990, I've been playing with the slowdown, and they, and they're like, no, the game is running the way it's supposed to run. The NES is emulated here. It's not. Yeah. They're not ports that are that are half assed or whatever. And I really respect that. I think this was really lost on a lot of people with this particular collection, um, because. Everyone's like, well, where's nine and ten? They're both epic, epic games, and I'm like, but they're not NES games. The NES wouldn't run those games, and and where they look like NES games, but they're not NES games. And seven and eight, you know, are, are basically bastard childs in that series anyway, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And most people are concerned that really love Mega Man. Um, so the other cool thing that they did was the game was affordable, digital and and retail, uh, PS4, Xbox One, and then later 3DS. And we were talking about uh, just to be just to be clear, I'm in the Nintendo 3DS version of the game. Sure. So I want to be clear about that as well. One of the one of the tests in that game is mine that I designed. It's called Moriarty's Test. Um, and because I'm, I'm a, I guess, a prolific Mega Man fan in the industry, and they came to me, and and that, and that was one of the great honors actually for me. Um, but what I thought was really cool about it was the challenge mode. So this reminds me a lot about what like endless mode and all those kinds of things did in Mega Man 10, but where they basically were able to hack the hack the games in such a way to patch them together in any way they wanted. So when they were like, Colin, you want to make a test? I was like, yes. And I'm like, what are the rules? And they're like, you do whatever you want. So there are no so rules. like find this is the way I did it for if you guys want a, a behind close uh, behind, you know, Come the behind the curtain. Kind of thing. Come behind the curtain. When I did my test for the 3DS version, which Here's they were like, candy. go find YouTube videos of, of playthroughs. Yeah. Identify the timestamps, literally the timestamps of when you want each stage and patch them together however you want. And so I patched together parts of all six games in any way I want. And they were able to do that. You just jump through a portal and then you find yourself in Mega Man 6 and then you jump through a portal and you find yourself fighting Magnet Man and then you jump through a portal and you find yourself in Quick Man stage and you jump through a portal and you find yourself in Mega Man 4 and Dive Man stage. And I was like, this is so cool. I never I never experienced anything like this. It's for Mega Man fans. Um, didn't have a platinum trophy, which is a huge problem for me. But other than that, it was a massive problem for me. Actually, I was like actually a crestfallen when they told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys gotta be kidding me. Here's my one thing: because I'm with you, and I'm not. I'm not arguing. But for somebody out there arguing with their computer, why does this get on? Is not a re-release. It's not. Oh, it's not a re-release because it's a compilation and a collection with new additions, plus all the art, all the music, the soundtracks, and all that kind of stuff. I think this game is detached enough from that particular rule where these are NES games that have been on lots of different things, but never put together in this particular fashion. Sure. And dare I say, and I've said it before and people scoff when I say it, these games Don't are scoff. these games are way better from a gameplay perspective than pretty much everything we play today. Do they and they sound certainly way better too, because their soundtracks are absolutely epic. <laughs> um so Mega Man Legacy Collection is a great insight into the way games used to play and used to be, the things that informed the way games are today. Yeah. And I really feel like Everyone, there's certain games everyone should play. Yeah. Everyone should play Mario, right? Um, in my mind, everyone should even play Castlevania. Everyone should play Final Fantasy. Like, th these are games you should play. And you should play Mega Man. And You must play Mega Man. And, and, and so, buy the collection. It's cheap. Try Mega Man 2 or 3. Don't start with 1, necessarily, because 1 is really hard and it's going to turn you off. Go back to that later. But try 2 or 3 and tell me that that game doesn't suck you in. Tell yeah. me that you don't, especially if you go in blind, everyone's like, what order should I beat the bosses in and all that kind of stuff. Don't. If you don't know, that's part of the fun. What part of the fun of nine and ten for me was not knowing what the fuck was going on in those games. I know the I know to such a molecular level the other six games that when nine and ten came out, I was like, this is so awesome. I have no idea where to begin. Yeah, yeah. And that was part of the fun. So if you're going to Mega Man 2, 
completely Mega Man 2, one of the classic games of all time, and you're going in totally blind. God bless you. That's so cool that you get to do that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of us don't get to do that anymore. You have no idea where the fuck the beginning of that game. That is the fun. And Figure that, it out yourself. That's the whole thing, right? When people talk about, you know, if you could have one game erased from your memory and go back, right? Like, this is a chance to go back and play, like, games that are awesome. I have nothing to say because I'm terrible at them, so I never have those moments. But I understand what you're saying. Uh, my number three is the controversial one. and I th- But it's another one of my one-night stand games, and it's Rocket League. I am not. Didn't surprise. I was surprised that you were. That, oh, I'm sorry. I was so surprised that you were put on here. I understand. I am not ever going to sit here in front and say I am a Rocket League expert or something like that. No, it was that you went and played it uh, at E3 that year. Uh, PSX. PSX. I was confused after the first reason. PSX in uh, Las Vegas. You came back and you're like Dunham's game is awesome. Of course, Dunham, our you know former boss at IGN, now working over at Psyonix. Uh And I was like, okay, cool. And then when I went over and played it, it was like, oh fuck. No, this is awesome. And then they came in for that stream. And ma- I'm mainly giving it this because of that stream. And also because we're industry insiders. We understand the, the scope of this game, what it does, what it means. But when you and me, and I think it was Nick and Doug Perry, mm-hmm. played at, on that stream. It must have been Dunham and uh, Doug Perry. We're playing on that stream together. That was some of the most fun I had ever had. And it was like, holy shit, is this game awesome? Is this game fun? The depth to it, the fact that we can get in right now and not know what the fuck we're doing, but still have fun and run the ball and do all these different things. And then the unlockable start dropping and all these different things and the customization. It was like, holy shit, I can't wait to get this. And then we got it. And then we went on a trip and then we came back and everyone online was too fucking yeah, good. So then, then it becomes less fun, which and is why I didn't want to put it on there because I don't have that experience but, in that particular in that, ecosystem. And, I, and that's why I'm I'm even separating myself from that when I put it on here is the fact that I mean, I, for me, Rocket League's on a pedestal. I think it's like the success story of this generation so far. And I doubt I doubt anything will catch it on, in that front of a game that went from being fucking nobody knows what's going on to to being an esport and having all these things and having everyone talk about it, it made, everyone playing it made it. something also like 40 times its budget back right 40 times what's its so, budget so awesome about that is that psionics is a small team and they are a studio that deserves that and this is the little guy winning which in that maybe that's all swept up in the fact that this is a david versus goliath video game story that now they are there and they can do whatever the fuck they want now but it's also the fact that they did everything right with it and they here's free DLC and whatever. And we're doing Batman DLC and let's do this and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to you know, and they're constantly talking to their audience, constantly talking to their fans. But it still is that point that if you want to be me and you want to have a, your friends over for some beers, you can sit there and play local rocket league and everybody can start at being terrible and go into it. And then if you want to go home and you want to be the person who's going to get nuts with it and get online, you can still go do that. You can still go be that and do those, the amazing kickflip things. And like, Pokemon Go, right, is this success story, obviously, and this runaway cultural phenomenon, and that's broken through video games in terms of that, right? Like, it's outside of just us and gamers. Rocket League, what is that to just gamers? Where it was, like, I remember when we were at GameSpot for something, and they were doing an in-office huge tournament. I was like, that's really cool. And then I went and gave a speech at another video game developer who makes AAA games, and they were having a Rocket League internal tournament. And it was like, I remember when we went to, um, not I guess it was RTX, RTX or PAX or whatever, and it was RTX. And Freddie Wong was there, and he's like, I am, I'm jonesing to go play more Rocket League. And he, you know, I was like, oh, I think they're doing a tournament. He went entered, and it was just like, there's something about that game that if it's it's, it is one of those simple to understand, difficult to master things, but it is that thing that's always there for you if you want it. And yeah. I, it I think it's such a fucking masterpiece. I respect it. Yep. I respect that choice. Thank you. I'm glad you respect something I did. Number two for me is Rezogun. Uh, Rezogun is still the best pure gameplay experience on, on PlayStation 4, a launch game, Housemark again. Yeah. Getting a shout out here. Um, 
what can you say about this game other than that it's almost perfect? I, 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 Pure gameplay. Pure yeah, great I, gameplay. I mean, Resogun is astonishingly good. And that was what, again, we, we talked about Alienation uh, a little bit earlier. That was what was so surprising about that particular game and why I'm actually way more excited about Matterfall is because they're, they lost the plot a little bit with that game or they're basically diverging in two different paths where they're like, we have the Stardusts and the Resoguns and we have the Dead Nations yeah. and like those other kinds of nation games where they're a little deeper. And when they really just focus on gameplay and scoring, uh, they excel in a major way. And what I realized about Resogun was that at first it seemed a little complicated and even a little bit obtuse. And then you realize that it's not complicated at all. It's it's complicated to play if you want to master it, but it's it's very straightforward. You're upgrading your ship. You're finding uh, weapon upgrades. You're saving the, the humans, the humans that are dropping off. You have to save yeah, them. Yeah. Um, save the humans. Very, uh, very uh, rewarding platinum trophy to get as well. Yeah. Um, it later came to PS3 and Vita, and it doesn't look the, the way the games, the voxels in the game are uh, really do push the PS4, and it's it's not, it's just not the same game on the other platform, especially on Vita. It's like very dumbed down uh, graphically and aesthetically. But I really do feel like Resogun is an exceptional game that is really hard to beat from just a, from the reason that we've all started to play games, which is not necessarily for story. These are additive elements. Resogun doesn't give a fuck about any of that. Resogun <laughs> is just like it's just fun to play and it's, it's fun to loop through the game. You can beat the game in a half an hour, 45 minutes, and then you do it again, and you look at the scoreboard, and you see where everyone is. You hit triangle to, like, kind of sort it to yeah, your yeah, friends, yeah. and you're like, God damn it. Like, Once somebody's th- just yeah. ahead of you, yeah. Really, really special game. It has that housemark magic. That game has that housemark magic that I'm confident Matterfall is going to have as well that I feel like Alienation was lacking. And so um, what a huge get Sony has with this studio. They don't mm, own them, but mm. they have a very close relationship with them. I'm surprised they haven't bought them. Um they just make great gameplay experiences, and I think Resogun is the is the great gameplay experience on PlayStation Four. And I really would be surprised if it is ever beaten in that respect. I don't think it's ever going to be beaten from that pure rush gameplay perspective, that old school aesthetic, that old school feel. Sure. Um, it's basically Defender on on steroids, and it is a very very special game. And I've been beating the drum on that game for a very long time, and I was absolutely fucking right about it. By the way, let's just let's just be very clear Hashtag about that. Column was Rocket absolutely League was fucking a, right. Rocket League was a column was right moment. Yes, yeah. we're all excited yeah. about that. We all know that, right? Resogun was one of those things where I came back from Gamescom before PS4 came out, and I'm like, "This is the game." Everyone's talking about blah 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 blah. And we were talking about Knack and Killzone. Yeah, Knack kind of sucked. Killzone was fine, but I'm like, somewhere within the PSN ecosystem is a special little downloadable game called DC Universe Online. Called DC Universe Online that I think... So, no, in all seriousness, we, we ham up the column was right thing, but I, I was so proud of what they did with that game. Yeah. Because we know those guys, they're very... They're, they're, they're friends of ours and they fucking nailed it yeah, with Resogun. Totally, so, totally. if you have not played Resogun yet and you have a PS4, sort of life out. rectify that situation fucking very, very rapidly. Delete your Twitter please. and sort your life out. Uh, my number two is also a game that gets here because of gameplay and it's Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it was my game of the year uh, in 2015. It was a game that I was I, I go back and forth on. How, how Did I anticipate it or didn't I? Right. I am a huge Metal Gear fan. Uh, my favorite metal, my favorite video game of all time is now Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. I can finally say it. And before that, it was Metal Gear Solid, which you know did all these different things. When I got Ground Zeroes and sat down with Ground Zeroes, I was so excited and then so crestfallen. It did not live up to what I wanted it to be. The, uh, I did not like being dropped into. The, I always felt exposed. I didn't feel empowered. I didn't feel like a uh, big boss. I didn't feel like I knew what the hell was going on. I was just getting my head kicked in over and over again. So going into the Phantom Pain, it was a very jarring experience of like... 
I don't know. Is this what I want? Is this going to be the thing I want? Am I going to go out and do these different things and feel like Big Boss? And I'll never forget going down to LA to Konami to do the the preview the day. I think what do we? I played for a day, two days, something like that. Three days. I don't even fucking yeah, remember. You were gone for a while. Well, I did. There was two. There was the review event, and then there was just going down to play. But when I went down there just to play, and it was like oh, fuck, this is, this is what I wanted Ground Zeroes to be. This is exactly what I want. This is HD Peace Walker. This is open world Peace Walker. This is go on this mission, get, do whatever the hell it is. Take out the high value target, do whatever. But also export these resources, Fulton out these guys, and then replay them over and over and over and over again to do that over and over and over again to build up Mother Base to do all this. It was everything I loved about Peace Walker minus the story, which is why there's not a shot in hell of Phantom Pain ever being my favorite game of all time because it wasn't the complete pack. Package. That's what that's what was missing for me with that yeah. particular game too. But I mean, the gameplay is so good, and it's still a game I intend to get back in platinum because I love that game and I'm close on it. But going, th- I mean, just oh, there's so much awesome shit in that game of going through and Fultoning and, and quiet and the different outfits and the Kevin. You know what I'm talking about here. Kevin's nodding off screen. He knows what's going on. Like. God damn did I love the Phantom Pain and it sucks that like yeah it looks like they cut off a whole bunch of shit at the end yeah it's you know Kojima's swan song there Konami of getting thrown out and all this different stuff but it's like at least he went out on this note of like this is a fucking awesome fucking game and the gameplay was what it was all about of going in there and then feeling like I know this map I've scouted this map because I've run this mission a bunch of different times and now I know how I'm gonna get in there and get out and do all these different things it was just something special. Yeah, to me, I again, we talked earlier about Mad Max and about um, coming out September 1st, I guess it was right. Uh, 2015 was that the, the date September? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think so. And it came out the same day Metal Gear Solid 5 came out. So that, that was a distracting game for me. But then I played it for about 10 hours later. I think it was around December is when I actually started to sit down and play it. Uh, Christmas break. Yeah. And it just I respect it. I think it's fun. It's not Metal Gear to me. And that, that was and, and that I, was a major thing to me was that it was just like where is the story the way the game began in the uh, in the, like the hospital yeah. was awesome 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 I was like this is so awesome why can't it just be this yeah. for twelve hours yeah why does it have to be this open world nuttiness that doesn't seem to be I know it started with Peace Walker really but doesn't didn't seem to capture what Metal Gear was to me I I'm a huge fan of Metal Gear One Solid One and Metal Gear Solid Two and I am a fan of the MSX slash NES Metal Gear as well um, and I was just like eh, it. Shadow Moses was special. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, Big Shell was special. Well, that was the thing. Like when Don't I came when is. I came back from Metal Gear, the review event, and we were talking. You're like, and I'm like, it doesn't. It's a I mean, this game's amazing. This game's fascinating. It's, and I'm like, but it doesn't feel like Metal Gear. And you're like, what about the bosses? I'm like, there really aren't. That, I mean, and really, that's, that's shocking really me because that was all, that's what that was really the coolest part about the Metal Gear games, especially one and two. I think, oh, especially one and two. Are you kidding me? Um, Fat Man, come on, Fat Man, Psycho like, Man, I mean, Fat, kidding me? Fat Man's my dude, and DARPA Chief. So that really was shocking to me, where like where we had a situation in, in a sense that well, the game was div- divisive. I think immediately, but I think what I've seen anecdotally is that it's way more divisive than I thought. Mm. It seemed like a lot of people were giving me shit at first and I get less and less of it as it goes on. And then you read a lot of people being like, to some people, it's like this masterpiece and other people, it's like, it's a disappointment. Sure. I do agree with you that it is disappointing that it is, it is, it is Metal Gear's proper swan song. I'm sure Konami will make another one because they're terrible, but, um, (laughs) but Kojima went out like that and now we're going to get, you know, his, his game, you know, PlayStation 4. Um, so 
I'm I'm I, I think it probably belongs on the list because I know people really enjoy it and I know you love it. So yeah. I, I don't begrudge you that. But thank you for not begrudging. But me. I, I I to me it's it's um I was glad I played it so that I knew that I didn't like it because it was it was in the back of my sure. head where I'm like, I probably should give this a go. And for a couple hours, I was like, yeah, yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm totally crazy. This is awesome. And then it opens up, and then I'm like slinking around and like just on a so horse good. for some reason. And then oh I'm and then God. I, D horse, what up? So yeah, I don't know. And then the unanimous number one. I assume we didn't share a list before. We didn't really drive no, that home we, too we, much. We, we didn't. Uh, I have to imagine yours is Uncharted Four. A thief's end, of a course. That's end. my number one as well. And what by the way, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm not. You're not doing. You're tab- yeah, I know. You're tabulating right I'm as tabulating. we go. Tabulating. So we'll see. Because remember, we each did them. Points are assigned in the opposite order. So now Uncharted gets two tens, making it twenty points, which means, of course, it'll be the number one game. Uh, I don't feel like we need to talk too much about why Uncharted Four is amazing for you. Uh, if we do, I don't understand why. You have to go play the other Uncharted's, then play this one, then you would understand, of course, the culmination of Drake's story. Uh, it hits on all it, it's got the best parts of last of us with the best parts of uncharted and it wasn't that we were going to this dark place like we were also afraid that was going to happen with the last of us influences instead it was the storytelling mechanics it was opening up the areas it was a beautiful game it was finally finally after four games which i guess sounds like a knock but finally after four games letting you have the conversations you wanted with your supporting cast it was answering the questions you've always wanted answered it was the culmination of this entire journey Naughty Dog's taken on us, and it was beautiful. Yeah, I think that the game, I played it slowly over about a week, and uh, it's the longest Uncharted game, I think that's safe to say, um, except for maybe Golden Abyss. I was going to say Golden Abyss might be longer, um, but it also just felt long because we we're on the go all the time. Right, yeah. Uh, and at first, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I was, Slow burn. Yeah, Slow I was like, I, I was like, it's it's no less than great. It's an annoying dog game, but I'm like, is it? I, you and I both love Uncharted three. We love all of them, but we 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 both think Uncharted three is the best. And I'm like, I don't know that this is getting what Uncharted is. And then suddenly it does. And then suddenly, yeah. and then suddenly it does get it. Now, I have some issues, core issues with Uncharted four. I think Sam is in it way too much. I think it's weird to insert a character that means so much to Drake at the very at end. the very end. You never heard a fucking peep about him. I think it's weird that Drake now has all these new mechanics that they overuse over and over again. Like the I slide love the and rope. the hook. It's like, oh, he's an expert at this. He never even mentioned that he can do this in the other ah, four games. Or fight for Legion. But Why does Elena look different every game? <laughs> but the game is so overwhelmingly charming. Yeah. And so, so thoughtful in its puzzles and its its mapping of the way you go through. I like that the, I like that the game opened up. I like yeah. that, but it didn't open up too much. It, it yeah. reminded me a little bit of like what Killzone tried to do with Shadowfall, but not to that extent where it's like, it's not going to be a corridor shooter anymore. Now it's it with Killzone. And then this is like, it's not going to be a, a very linear experience. You're going to get from point A to point B, but how do you get from point A to point B? You're going you're gonna to choke everyone out. Are you just going to have a gunfight? I like that there's very little combat in the game. I think that's another one of those things that's really cool. The game, when you really think back on it, doesn't have that much combat. It's 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 there's There's set pieces. There are things where you're fighting, but by and large, I was like, there's not that much combat in this game. And I was like, that's refreshing. Uh, yeah, because that was always the knock against the Uncharted's right of open. the. All right. We get a cutscene, Then it's a mo- you walk. You go somewhere. It's a monster closet. All right. Now there's a puzzle. Now there's a cutscene. Monster closet, monster closet, monster closet. So to me, it's it's one of those games that's so it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And I do think that the last of us is probably better. Mm as far as Naughty Dog products are concerned. But I think I think uh, Bruce and Neil did a very nice job, stepped into big shoes, yep. Amy's shoes, yep. rewrote a lot of things, got rid of a lot of things, uh, rescripted it, 
reworked it and it took a little bit of time and we had to be patient, but I think it was worth the wait. And I really do love how it brings it all together. I love and adore the ending. Yes. Oh my God. I think the ending is extraordinary. I did not expect it. Me neither. Um, and because when they start to fade, pull out and fade out, I was like, ah, oh, like that. I, that was I could leave them here. I could leave them here, and then I didn't have to, and that was amazing. And I, and I think that for all of its pro, for there's a few narrative problems. I think Nadine, for instance, is not even a character. I that love the, Nadine. I just don't think she belongs in it. Uh, like, and, and, like I don't think she's she belongs if they want her in there, but I don't think yeah, she's yeah. needed. I don't think she serves any purpose. Sure. Um, so there's some like weirdness to that, but if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, that that should exist. Talbot is that in Uncharted you know, in, three, in Uncharted sure, three right? Sure. So the magician. It's not like it's not like that's unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, I I I, I unanimous. I mean, it's unanimous. Like I don't think there's 100%. any better game than Uncharted four. It's a must play. I encourage people if they have not played the Uncharted games to play them all in order. Do not jump into Uncharted four. I don't think there's any way in hell you appreciate Uncharted. You will appreciate the game for what it is if you do that. There are a lot of special moments in the game, and I think they did a really nice job of paying homage to to what the hard work that they had they had put into the series for a decade. And it was it's sad, it was sad to see it go, but I'm also convinced that it's not done. Like I I don't think I don't think that we're going to see it for a very long time, and I don't think it's going to be Drake. Um, but I don't think we've seen the last of Uncharted either. So it'll be uh, a long time, I think, if you ever come back. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, there there is no other choice than Uncharted. So while you finish the final tabulation, I want to toss out a few reader mail here. Of course, I had to put out the tweet. What was your what's your favorite PlayStation 4 game of all time and why? Corey Johnston said Drive Club. Never was a fan of track racers, but Drive Club made me very uh, made me. The Drive Club made me. Very addictive, competitive, incredible photo mode, skill to drift. Tyler Ferguson responded, uh, regardless, I have to say Destiny. I know it's on other systems, but that game has changed the way I play video games. Faye said Transistor. Gorgeous music and visuals and surprisingly fun gameplay. Lots of replay value too. Shout out to Supergiant. We do love them. Uh, we had a you are at son of a gun, I'll say instead of whatever the hell his name is supposed to be. Uh, Batman Arkham Knights great story and mark and ham mark hamill is the best so much fun uh this guy jack septic guy said bloodborne son no reason necessary and then jens anderson our friend over at daybreak shouted out shadows of mordor brilliant transition of system messaging into character states and effects Nem- nemesis system was fabu yeah i never played mordor so i can't speak to it bloodborne was one of those games i was throwing around even putting on the list because yeah. I, I did i did spend a lot of time with it i felt like it would be disingenuous because sure. i I had spent maybe 15 hours with the game or so, and and I really liked it um, compared to the, the de- Demon Souls and Dark Souls. I just felt like it was a little bit faster, a little bit more accessible for me. Um, but I felt like it was not, again, it was disingenuous for me to even sure. include it. So, Colin, give me the final list. Well, because of ties, there are 11, 11. on the list because otherwise the a, top a, 11. A, a game would arbitrarily be cut off. Of 2016. Uh, tied for seventh place because uh-huh. there are ties. Uh, Wolfenstein, The New Order, and Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, sixth place is Lego Dimensions. Fifth place is Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Tied for fourth is Mega Man Legacy Collection and Rocket League. Okay. Three-way tie at number three, Until Dawn, Resogun, and Metal Gear Solid 5. Okay. Number two is Ratchet and Clank. Wow. And number one is Uncharted 4 Thief's End. That's a great list of games. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a very solid list of games. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing it with me. Yeah, Colin. it was fun. We'll do it again next year. Uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an w- interesting PS I love you XOXO so there's been you know we didn't do some of the segments but there's still time to get some of the segments in like PS I love this best friend XOXO this is where one of you goes to kind of funny.com slash 
forums. You go to the PSI Love UXOXO board and post in the thread your PSN name with the reason why you need friends. Then the other best friends from the Kind of Funny community find you on the PSN. They friend you. They send you lovely messages and you all play games together. This one comes from just is 23 the way it sounds just is 23 that's the psn name hello compadres been listening to been listening since y'all left ign and i've got to say there isn't a better group of people making content on the interwebs but all slow jerking aside i came here to find some fellow best friends to play with on the good old psn i don't have a ton of friends online which usually leads me to play more single player focused games but it's high time I got in on some of the sweet, kind of funny community gaming action. I'm down to play whatever, so send me a friend request and let's get let let the good times roll. My PSN name is Just Is 23. Keep fucking that chicken, boys and girls. Just Is 23. Everybody go fuck the chicken with Just Is 23 over on the PSN. Send him his messages. Colin, mm. are you ready for PSN's worst name of the week? Yes. This is where someone went to kindoffunny.com slash forums, went to the PSI Love UXO Explorer, and posted their bad PSN name. Because as you know, Shuhei Yoshida refuses to let you change your PSN name. And until he does, we will call out all the bad names so he understands why. This one comes from a gentleman named Alex. Hi, Colin and Greg. Mm. I'm Alex from England, UK. Oi, Governor! And this is my first time posting. I was a hardcore Xbox fanboy for many years, but decided to get both current gen consoles so I could play with my friends. My gamer tag on Xbox forever has been and forever will be the generic drop shot 42. But I decided that my PSN name should be funny and memorable. Oh, how I regret that. My PSN name is Sausage Bandit 69. That's Sausage Bandit 69. As you can see, this name is ridiculous and unoriginal on its own, but I didn't realize until the next day when one of my friends called me out that my name, as he pointed out, has been spelled wrong. Sausage is spelled wrong. I accidentally used two S's. It's S-A-U-S-S-A-G, Bandit69. Ever since, I can't look at my name without pronouncing the word in my head as Sausage. In a polis, in, in a posh sounding voice, I went to change my name, but unfortunately, you can't. You know, it's impossible. Therefore, I must now live the rest of my PSN days as the Sausage Bandit, aka the guy who steals sausages for a living. That's not how I read it. Please, Shuhei, let us change our names. Thanks, Alex in the UK. Please, Shuhei, hear him. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and hearing us. This has been PS. I love you, XOXO. Remember. P.S. I love you. XOXO is KindOfFunny.com's PlayStation podcast. So please go to KindOfFunny.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channels. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to the Patreons and support us, which makes crazy motherfucking shit like this goddamn video wall behind us happen. It's amazing and insane. And it's not as hot as I thought it would be. It's hot. It's hot here. But <laughs> it's not yeah. as hot as I thought right, it would right. be. Right? No. It's not, it's as not. As, not as hot as the spare bedroom used to be. No. Not as hot as I'm going to make your bedroom tonight. No, don't touch. Okay, don't no, touch my him. apologies. Also remember that PSI Love You XOXO posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygames and podcast services around the globe. So like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Remember, everything helps us get this show out to more people and that makes more video walls. Every episode of PSI Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing to Shuhei. This is where one of you talented motherfuckers goes to kindoffunny.com slash PSM. The M is for music and gives me an MP3 of your song and a YouTube video link for your song. I put the MP3 at the end of our MP3 and I annotate to your YouTube video at the end of our YouTube video. This one comes from Jack. Hey, Colin and Greg. My name is Jack and I'm the vocalist and guitarist for the band Jar of Atoms. We are a two-piece band based in Nottingham, UK. Oi. I'm not sure what our genre is, but I guess I'd say it's kind of bluesy rocky. 
I've been following you guys since beyond days, beyond, and I'm elated that you have been able to find the success you have. I submit to you our first song, Nymphomaniac, which we have released for free in an attempt to promote our band. It's available on, to download on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jar of Adams, and it's A-T-O-M-S, of course, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jar of Adams. Unfortunately, we haven't recorded a video for it yet, so I put the music over a video of Jean-Claude Van Damme dancing on YouTube. He did, and it's awesome. I hope you guys enjoy it. Best of luck in the future as you continue to grow towards superstardom. Well, thank you, Jack, for closing out the first ever PSI Love You XOXO here at Kind of Funny Studios. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for watching the first ever video product from the Kind of Funny Studios. Kevin, how'd you do on the camera switching? Was it jarring? No, you gave a thumbs up. Let me know in the comments if it was jarring. Well, I'm sure I'm going to have to slow his roll. Is he flipping around a lot right now? Ah! (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. This is Jack from Jar of Adams, right? No. Yeah, Jack from Jar of Adams with the song Nymphomaniac. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Check out the tissue.